Welcome to another edition of Anonymous Phenomenon Roundtable with Lala. Hello there, everybody. How's everybody doing on a Tuesday night? Hello, Susan. Welcome, Appalachian Tales of Terror, Catherine, Gary, Xander. How you doing there? Hello, everybody. So, Lala, what do we have going on tonight? We have a mixture of cryptids, paranormal, a little bit of alien. I'm excited. So it hits on everything everybody likes. You do. So let's bring them on. Uh, Mr. Stickler, Michael, and Christina out of there. How you doing there? Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yep. Appreciate it. If you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves and or promote mm. anything, Lon, do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm Lon Strickler. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm with the blog Phantoms and Monsters, Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team. I've been involved in the paranormal since the mid 70s. I'm intuitive. I've had experiences with uh, cryptids and such. And um, I've been investigating for all those years and uh, I've been writing the blog now for going my 18th year. I've written nine books and um, also have a podcast, Fans of Monsters Radio. Awesome. Very cool. Welcome. Wow. Okay, whoever. <laughs> Go ahead. Ladies first. <laughs> Am I going next? Yeah. All right. I'm Christina George. Uh, I'm a host of Paranormal Connections radio show. I'm a psychic medium. I'm a paranormal investigator, also an abductee. And I run a PPRS, which is Psychic and Paranormal Research Society in Sacramento, California, where we investigate everything. So glad to be here. Awesome. Welcome. And hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Lachiana, and I'm the founder of the Heritage Hunter Society, which was started in the early 
1990. Um, I mix a lot of historical locations with the paranormal, and that's kind of my niche. I love to go to historical places and see how I can connect with the spirits that are there. And I've been very successful over the years doing that. Uh, I've done it here in the U.S. and also some other countries, like Spain and France and England. Wow. So I've been uh, very fortunate to do that. And I do have a TV series now on Prime Video Direct called Journey Through the Past. So uh, everybody can check it out. That's awesome. awesome. Welcome. Glad I, to have everybody. I like to ask people when I they come on here, what's an experience that you've had that you just will never forget? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a lovely question. <laughs> yeah. There's a long laundry list, I think, probably for anybody who's been involved in the field for a long time. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't think you just have one. There's like so many that <laughs> happen over time. Oh, yeah. What's something that I guess shocked you, I guess? Um, well, I'll go. I had an experience um, a few years ago. Now, again, I've had my psychic abilities. I've been able to see spirits my whole life since about four years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I had never, never had a spirit jump me ever. Mm -hmm. I had spirits like go through, walk through me, mm -hmm. pass through me things like that, but never like jump inside me and take control. And I happened to be up in Virginia City, Nevada, which if anybody knows, that's a very haunted little uh, town yeah. up there. And we were at my friend's, um, she owns a bar and an apartment above it uh, at the time. And I had just met her at the time and she didn't believe in psychics, but since I was going up with another friend. She said, oh, you know, do you think that your psychic friend could do a walkthrough and see what she picks up? And she said, I'll ask her. So, and I feel like, I, you know, it's I'm the circus animal because no matter where I go, somebody wants me to give them a reading, walk through their house, something. So I get there and when we were drinking and all of a sudden they said, hey, uh, they're going to go to the basement across, you know, in the building. You want to walk up to the apartment and see if you see anything. Now, I mean, obviously a sober Christina would have been like, no, nah, you know, that's not a good idea. I've been drinking, but that was not in my mind at that time. So I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. <laughs> and I got up there, didn't do any protection, nothing. We opened the door. I see a guy standing there clear as day. And she says, oh, so do you see anything? And I said, uh, yeah, there's a guy here. And she says, what does he look like? And I started explaining what he looked like. And at this, that exact time, it's like he realized that I could actually see him. And the next thing I know, he came running full force at me and literally jumped me. And then oh, for the next probably 10 minutes, I was hearing every single thing I was saying, but it had absolutely nothing to do with me, nor was it anything that I was thinking about or wanting to say. I had absolutely no control until I left the building. Wow. So that was a shocker to me. Wow. I had never had anything like that happen to me in all of, I even have 20 years investigating publicly in the paranormal and I still mm -hmm. never had something jump me like that. So it was, 
definitely an eye opener. Is that considered a possession or because they didn't have bad intentions, it's called jumping? I, you know, I, I don't personally don't know what it's called. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I would think a possession would be something more that's wanting, you know, uh, right. to take over you, not let you go. I mean, it's more like for some people, like when they open up and they'll channel somebody, mm -hmm. you know, they'll allow them to, you know, enter okay. into them to speak. Um, it's, it was like that, I would assume, because again, I've never had anything like this happen. I mean, I'm 56 yeah. years old and ne this had never happened in my life up to a few years ago. So, um, so I'm not really sure. But again, he was very determined. Uh, it happened to be the person in there happened to be her husband who, uh, was renovating this very haunted location and uh it he ended up being found dead in the apartment oh. uh, he nobody found him for three weeks oh so, god uh he definitely had you know a message for her and i mm -hmm. guess he didn't want me giving the message like myself and right. messing up the message he literally wanted her to hear what he had to say and she, you know i I found out later that, I mean, again, she didn't believe in psychics and she was really just trying to see like what I, she didn't believe I would pick anything up. And she said, uh, there was a moment when I heard myself saying, if you don't believe it's me, this will tell you that it's me. And I literally put my hand like back on this table that was there. Now, mind you, I'd never been there. That was the first time I'd ever been there. And I picked up this box and I put it in her hand and like said, you know, this was the last gift you ever gave me. And she looked down at this box and just burst into tears. And at Aww. that point ran out of the apartment. And here I find myself running after her. But as soon as we went through the doors of the building itself, hmm. it broke. So um, it was, he was definitely, you know, attached and confined to the building itself. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I have been back there since. I made it very clear that, you know, any message he might have, I'm more than willing to give, but he right. can no longer do anything like that. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, technically that's romantic, I guess. You know, <laughs> if somebody loves you that much. <laughs> well, you want to hear a line. This is my chance. Yeah. <laughs> take it. <laughs> Christine. Well, Ron's probably got a, a lot of good stuff. Let's see what the line has to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've been involved with a lot. I'm kind of an eclectic paranormalist, I guess, what you want to call it, because about, about everything that can happen has happened yeah. over all these years. You know, I I really started out, I am an intuitive. I, I started out, found out very young that I was intuitive. And um, that's basically what I did. Even in high school, I would go to look in back in the 70s. You know, you tell somebody you're involved with the paranormal, you really get that you got that stink eye, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but I'd go to business in private locations and, and try to help people out. And. Um, but back in 81, I had an encounter with a Bigfoot and that kind of changed my whole perspective on the paranormal and the supernatural and. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I really started getting into cryptids. And, um, wow. you know, even though I, I still do hauntings and such, and and uh, I do, I am I am a trained remote viewer, and I have done, use I use that for a lot of different cases that I 
you know, for cryptids and for um, and for hauntings and such. Yeah. But um, you know, Bob asking there what I have <laughs> have planned in the future. You know, frankly, I just take it as it comes. Yeah. You know, we've been involved with uh, some pretty major cases over the years, in particular right now. For the past 11 years, actually, we've been involved with the Chicago Mothman case okay. and well, cases and uh, all the sightings we've been involved with there. And um, that's kind of like the cryptid that keeps on giving because it just keeps on going. And it's it's something, you know, it's very unusual. It's uh, it, it's a it's a series of uh, sightings that have happened in a mostly urban setting, which is very unusual. Uh, mm -hmm. When you think of Mothman, Bigfoot, or any other type of cryptid, you're thinking something out in the woods or something out in the, you know, some wilderness area. But quite mm -hmm. frankly, what we with this case, these cases that we've been involved with, it's, it's just the exact opposite of that. And you're getting very many people who are, you know, who are coming forward. And right now we're at about 100, I think it's 168 sightings that we've had wow. that we've, we what? feel are viable sightings. And of course, wow. I know there's more out there that just have not come forward, but we pretty well, you know, we pretty well stuck with it. We've got a good team started out very early on. Um, you know, my original task force, I mean, Rosemary Ellen Golly was even part of that team. And uh, we, we did a lot of different things back then, but it's kind of evolved over the years. And, um, but that's the biggest case we're on right now. Of course, I look into a lot of other phenomena. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, I started, um, my first experiences was back in 1978 when I first uh, learned about recording. I was a musician in recording studio and I was fascinated with audio. And I started uh, using a reel to reel um, on some locations and learning from uh, Dr. Hans Holzer, How to Record Spirits, uh, in some of his books that were really interesting. I said, oh, let me try it. And I captured, um, not using any kind of microphones, actually plugging uh, the reel-to-reel -reel directly into uh, old stereo receiver and putting it on pure static. And I just let the tape run for two hours. And I, I left my home. My home is from, never haunted, but uh, still a 1928 Dutch colonial. Uh, and when I reviewed that reel-to-reel, I have this man screaming at the top of his lungs, uh, bloody murder. Um, I almost thought it was a plane crash going down, but like I said, this was not recorded with a microphone. So this was using static uh, white noise, wow. and crystal clear, super loud. Uh, the, the needles were pegging. And so that got me started. I loved spirits growing up and ghost stories, but I never, never really believed that anything was real until, until I had this experience at 14. And that put me on the path to uh, to doing things, and like you said, Lon, um, you know, uh, once I started really investigating and capturing things in the late 80s or early 90s, um, first thing, when I had my first really great EVP that I knew was 100%, I said, oh, my God, now i got to believe in UFOs and Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, which, you know, it really is true. There's... You know, um, if there's spirits out there, you know, all these other things definitely exist as far as I'm concerned. Have I had any experiences? Not really. Um, I do have a old farm up in Tennessee that's up in the mountains. And uh, 
I see a lot of strange things flying around at night that mm-hmm. there's no airstrips up there or anything. And who knows, we might have some uh, Bigfoots wandering those woods too. I'm in the Cherokee National Forest. So oh. you're talking thousands and thousands of acres. And uh, and there's been a lot of sightings over the years. So, um, oh yeah, it's an amazing field. And the more you the more you get into this and the more you capture and get evidence, the more questions you have. Um, Absolutely. That's how I've always approached it. And now I'm 59 years old and I'm still at it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's just, uh, what, you know, I used to take on so many cases. Now I just, like Lon, I just um, take, it as, take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing my TV show right now, um, it's all history-based and it's all places that you can actually go to. Um, that's to cool. Itself, and that's why um, it's turning through the past. Uh, I have a question. Have you guys ever run into skinwalkers? I never mm-hmm. have, but I find it interesting. I never heard of it until there was TV shows based on it. Um, yeah. But, um, you know. There's like, a lot of confusion about skinwalkers. I mean, quite frankly, it, it's, it's not really what you would consider cryptid or um, it's, it's more of a... Um, it's more related to witchcraft, uh, oh, being able okay. to shape shift, possibly some type of uh, possession. Uh, I, I was involved with some um, working some cases out in the Four Quarters area when uh, uh, J.C. Johnson was still around, and he um, he he was kind enough to let me be involved with some of the, his investigations out there. And even though I was doing it most at a distance, um, but basic, basically the skinwalker is it, it's it's a witch, basically a Navajo witch. Now, yeah. of course, there are other other tribes that that do profess to have these uh, the skinwalkers. I mean, the Utes and the Hopi and such. And um, but you know, when you when you talk to witnesses in the tribe at the reservations, um, especially the older folks, they really don't like to talk about it and very rarely want to talk about it. But as time has gotten, has gone on, the younger folks do come out and, and, you know, they've heard these stories all their lives and many of them have have had encounters and uh, they do open up about it. And that's why a lot of this is getting out. It it was kind of one of those, um, it's kind of one of those, well, it's still taboo, but uh, it's basically uh, some type of curse that uh, a witch in the tribe who's kind of gone bad and practices in the black magic and such gets involved with. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's not a good thing. It really isn't. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've heard all kinds of horror stories about some of the things that people have encountered. As far as the Skinwalker Ranch thing and that moniker that's put on there, that, that's just a moniker because of the the, the supposed curse that was put on by the Navajo used to live up there in the Ute area uh, where, where the Skinwalker Ranch is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was said to be possessed by a Skinwalker. So um, that's just that's just the name. As far as Skinwalkers go, I, don't, I, I really don't know of any that have been seen. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It's creepy. <laughs> it's all fascinating to me. It's not my niche. My niche is ghosts. I do mm-hmm. everything ghosts. Um, I don't do any cryptic. I don't do any UFOs. But I love to learn, and I love to learn from people that have the passion just like I do. Has anyone on the panel 
has ever seen or heard of the goat band. Oh, God. That's scary. <laughs> now, well, here in Louisville, Kentucky, we call it the Popelick Monster. Yeah, well, you know, Lala lives in Maryland. I mean, I'm sure she's familiar mm -hmm. with the goat man in, uh, in Prince George's County, which was seen a lot around the 60s and the early 70s. Mm. You know, I really don't know what to make of it. You know, I still get reports, not necessarily of goat man, but uh, in those same areas, we get a lot of Bigfoot reports. You know, the suburbs around Washington, D.C., I mean, even down in Virginia, have got a lot of phenomena. Mm -hmm. we hear about all kinds of things. And um, this part of the country in particular is just loaded with stories mm -hmm. and sightings and such. I'm, I'm always getting, um, I'm always getting, you know, people who want to, them to come out to uh, their location, check things out. We're working a case right now, not far from where, not far from Haverty, Graceburg, Lala's at. Okay. And, um, it, it's it's a horse farm that's we're having activity uh ufo possible cryptid activity uh, it's something we started about two months ago and something we're involved with but it's right along the susquehanna river on the other side into cecil county and um yeah it's it's just another local investigation of something very interesting and uh you know it, it it, it does seem that the activity has picked up over years, and uh, but it keeps us busy. Interesting. What about you two? Any experiences with Goat Man or? <laughs> um, here in North Carolina, um, we have so much wilderness and mountains. Uh, I have friends that are really into it, and um, are, you know are always looking. Uh, I have a friend that actually runs a. Uh, a Bigfoot museum here in Littleton, North Carolina. Uh, oh. And um, and there's a, a state park there that they have all kinds of sightings. And uh, he's gathered a lot of evidence and things. And he used to be a New York City uh, Daily News reporter. So back in the 60s and 70s. So uh, he's very trustworthy. And uh, and now that he's semi-retired, this is what he's doing. He, he even told me, he said, I was never into this until I had my first experience. And then I got hooked. And now, mm -hmm. uh, now he travels all over, and he's he's doing this all the time. So, I, like I said, I'm really interested in it. Um, it. It's not my thing. I haven't had any experiences in it, but I like to learn about it. I have a question, paranormal question for everybody. Uh, it's, it's because I had an experience. Um, one time, the mm -hmm. floor started to, it was a tile floor, and it started to bubble water looked like it was boiling, came out of nowhere. And I turned around, turned back around to look at it and everything was dry. Is there water paranormal activity? That's a thing or have you guys heard of that before? I know there was like a shadow person also in the house. So I don't know if that had connection, but I always wondered because I couldn't find any information. Yeah. Uh, I'm a licensed plumbing contractor. That's what I do for a living for over 40 years. So I use my trade really well in the paranormal, uh, mm -hmm. electrical, mechanical, uh, plumbing, things like that. So that sounds really interesting. Uh, it could just be somebody was manifesting something with water, but water is very paranormal. And, okay. uh, you know, if you go back to through history and you do scribing where they used to use water before, you know, they were using mirrors mm -hmm. and things like that. So okay. who knows? So very interesting experience. Yeah, it scared the crap out of me. 
<laughs> Have you guys heard about the water paranormal stuff before? Uh, yeah, it does happen. I, you know, I, not necessarily that uh, as far as water goes, but I, I was involved with a case over in Kenefli in Wales once wow. where, um, the people in the home were experiencing phenomena similar to that, mm -hmm. uh, where they were, um, and, and, and there was there was an earthbound in in the location, but it was causing some issues, and uh, they they were complaining that they were seeing what they thought looked like water on the floor, maybe mm -hmm. on the walls sometimes, but I, I'm quite sure it was whatever the the entity was, was causing the manifestations or the ability for them to see the manifestations. Right. Uh, of course, many times these, these entities are just mm -hmm. looking for attention and they will do a, a lot of times they will just try to bring things up or mm -hmm. try to influence the, the people, uh, the living yeah, into seeing right. certain things. So uh, that may be what that is. Uh, mm -hmm. It may have been entity based. Okay. Yeah. I did have one client that kept experiencing a, a mist of water in her bedroom. Um, and I did go there and I checked all the plumbing and there was no plumbing in the area. And so, but I didn't experience it. So it was hard to say, but um, yeah, that is the one case that I did have. Um, but I ha actually have had several things. I, I work in historical homes for a living. So I've actually had some really great paranormal experiences while working in these, uh, you know, early century homes, 1800 homes, uh, related to water. And, um, you know, I went to one house and they turned all the water off to replace the ballast stuff under a sink. And the homeowners were in the back, they work online and they were both in their offices. And I, I fixed it and I went and turned the water back on. When I came back in, all the water in the house was on. Every faucet was turned on in every bathroom, kitchen. And I said to them, why'd you open up all the faucets? And they were like, we didn't touch anything. We're in the back here. So <laughs> he's so got his holy water. water. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, nothing with the plumber. <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're they're yeah. strong. I didn't realize how strong spirits were until a few years ago, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, what'd Bob say? Lala and I had a major EVP event, and what do the panel recommend is the best approach to encourage and record EVPs? Well, well what do you use? Go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead. I, I, I'd like to hear Jeb's thing. Um, audio is my thing. That's, um, I have thousands and thousands of really good EVPs over the years. Uh, what type of recorders do you use? I don't know what he uses. Um, they, does he use high-end recorders? Does he use uh, he, thirty dollars yeah. recorders? You know, Olympus, which is fine too. Um, well, the one that my boyfriend that passed was on that was like a four. That was like a forty-dollar security camera from Amazon, and that was really right. clear when it yeah. came through. I, I always tell people to upgrade and get some really good uh, dual recorders. You know, uh, Tascam, Olympus, uh, Sony, uh, Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, because they really, the technology now is great and you cannot, um, now I've started experimenting with, uh, Tesla coils and I've been using them to increase the energy in my locations and it's been boosting the EVPs like crazy. So that's mm -hmm. something I just started, uh, 
experimenting with a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. definitely I'm trying to give them more energy. It takes a lot for a spirit to communicate and to record. Uh, I mean, like I said, I started with reel to reel, and that was audio tape. But you know, I love digital recordings. But uh, this this experiment's working really well. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't. you know, I'm kind of old school when it comes to EVP and such, and it even took me a long time to even start using digital, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I kind of rely on my own intuition as far as when I'm doing cases. But honestly, I, I don't like to provoke uh, EVPs or any type of entity to come forward and start, you know, you know, communicating as such. I have, I have found that many times that causes issues. Yeah. I try to stay away from that as much as possible. But in some of the cases I've been involved with, uh, we have had some pretty substantial EVP activity. And uh, I mean, to the point where I've been shocked by it. And quite yeah. frankly, after all these years, not much shocks me, but I've had a few of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, but no, it's, it's not really something I provoked or, or, or tried to, you know, try to get from from an energy, uh, and um, yeah, but occasionally I have used it. Cool. Yeah. Christina, have you had uh, EVPs? Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah, I, I mean we've over the years we've got tons and tons and tons. Uh, you know, really depends on the equipment. I have used so many different audio recorders. I have an old school one, which is the one I like the best, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a real techie person. So, uh, you know, I fritz everything that I touch. So my team loves all the tech stuff, me not so much. So, you know, I pretty much use my abilities, you know, um, as far as like when we get to a location, we'll go in, I'll walk around, see what I pick up, and then we'll use all the equipment, and everything after to see if we can validate anything that I got. Um, but as far as the EVPs, it's, I think it depends on the equipment because I've had ones that are super cheap that have worked great. And I've had ones that I've spent hundreds of dollars on that were crap, you know, so it really just depends. Also the environment. And I don't like to investigate in large groups because there's just so much contamination that happens when you have larger groups. You really right. got to be cognizant of what's going on around you because I, I'm seeing a lot now, especially like on live you know youtube channels when they're investigating live and there's a lot of this of the noises that can be easily explained but you know why would they want to do that so instead you know they're making like oh my god did you hear that you know and it's like <laughs> one was like an air conditioner in the in the plate in the house they were in kicked on <laughs> and they're like oh my god did you hear that did you hear that? right I'm like, yeah, I hear it all the time when I have my thermostat set to a certain <laughs> time, you know, <laughs> nothing paranormal. So, but yeah, I think that again, your environment, your equipment, and, you know, just being very cognizant and notating any sounds that may come from moving something or somebody moving around so that it doesn't get, you know, um, mm -hmm. mixed up and you think that it's, it's something that it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, well, there's all different degrees of, what we call investigators and thrill seekers and you know these groups that get together on the weekends and travel to these haunted locations for fun um, right. 
there's so many different degrees now. You know, when we first all started years ago, there was a few hundred groups nationwide. Well, now right. it's like exploded, and it's for me. I stay away from it. Um, I'm not interested in all mm -hmm. these big groups and these uh, what I call paranormal tourist spots. You know, mm -hmm. going to Waverly Hill and going to all these places. Um, I mostly investigate places that have never been investigated, and people are looking for real answers. Uh, I've done a lot of suicide cases where mm -hmm. I've actually communicated with the people that killed themselves and gotten really good recordings with their family sitting right there. Well, so, um, yeah, it just depends. Uh, passion, intent, that's, um, that's for core investigators. That's what I call us uh, versus mm -hmm. um, large groups, 15, 20 people go and investigate somewhere. Um, not interested in that. And, uh, Work I do, it's usually by myself or maybe one other seasoned person. That's it. Um, I'm not interested in working with big groups. Uh, it was very nice for many years, giving a lot of people opportunities. You can't do that. You, know, you waste a lot of time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially uh, nowadays. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Davy Jones Locker, who has had an alien experience? Ooh. <laughs> I know Christina has. Oh, yeah, I, I, I have a story her. for everything. Anybody else yeah, want to go first? I, I, I like to hear what she has to say because I have one as well. I mean, I've been working. I've, worked, I, I've actually written a book about it. I've worked oh. with a lot of uh, experiencers over the years. And um, What's your I book like called? She, What's uh, your book called? Disclosure. Cool. Okay. Mm. Experiencers Expose Reality. Very nice. All right. Well, I guess I'll go then. So, you know, as I said, I've had these psychic abilities my whole life. And, and when I, action. And when I got into about my teenage years, I started having a lot of precog dreams. And it was always the same thing. I would go to sleep. I would wake up in this circular room that had like a pedestal right in the middle of it. And I would just step onto that and there would be like like a screen of like you know like a tv that there was no t physical tv there but it, there was it would show up right then and it would show me at that time like different things that were going to happen usually it was very uh, at the beginning it was weather um, related uh as time went on it would become uh, different major like 9-11 i was shown a few days wow. before that um mm. a lot of different things then even mm. false flag I, I mean the things were crazy and they were coming quick now again mind you growing up with abilities i had nobody to tell me like what my abilities were like what was going on with me nothing and in fact anytime i tried to even speak about it you know i would get shut down and you know be told not to talk about it so I always thought that these precog dreams were somehow, and this is my brain, but connected, trying to make sense of things. I convinced myself that it was like these guides that I must have that were, you know, using this way to give me messages that I needed to know. Now, why I thought that I have no idea, but that's what I thought my whole life. And um, all of a sudden it's changed one night and well, and the other thing is that every time at the end of these, um, the screen would go off and then mm. I would wake up in my room, but I always had sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. And it was, 
I multiple times I had seen, you know, little grays. Again, I don't know what I even thought at that point. This was probably maybe eight or nine years ago. And of course, I didn't want to say anything about it because I didn't know what was going on myself. And that next night, I end up going into the, I go to sleep, I wake up in the circular room, but this time I walk up and the screen doesn't come on. Um, I go and I see a window that I've never seen before. I go to actually look out and I see immediately stars and I recognize I'm in space. Wow. And I can see what looks like the sun. I see like what looks like a solar flare. I follow it. It looks like it's going towards Earth. And then immediately the window just closed upon itself. And now, I mean, I still have very critical thinking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like if I, if there's a star, like I'm in space. So the circular room that I never knew what was, okay, now there's a problem. Uh, and it, I started to panic, but immediately for some reason, I was a big fan of Star Trek back in the day. And, you know, anybody watch Star Trek, when they would go in and out of these rooms, they would put their hand up on a certain spot, it would scan it and they would go out. I walk over to this one area, put my hand up, the doors open, mm -hmm. and I look, look out, and it's a long corridor. I can look to the left and to the right, and it's really, really long. Um, I get, I'm trying to figure out which ways should I go check to see what's out there. I go to the left, I follow it all the way down, and I see a door, and it looks like, you know, like a laboratory door. You know, it had like the keypad, everything, or like a scanner thing on it. And I looked to the right around this little corner and there was a whole glass wall and mm. all the way up and down it, there was these like containers almost that were stacked one upon each other and they were looked like hybrid um, embryos in different stages. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I see this, I panic because now, mind you, I've been investigating and doing my radio show for a very long time and i have interviewed tons of people who have had experiences anything like this is probably not good so i immediately now need to get back to where i was at so i can get back home so i can get out of this nightmare and as i go around the corner to go back down this hallway uh, i run into two men standing there and they're in full uh, camo they're, it's like a, a black, oh. all black and gray camo Mm -hmm. uh, they look exactly alike. That was now again. The first thing I started thinking of is look for badges, patches, anything that I could possibly connect with anything. But there was nothing. But mm -hmm. the strange thing I remembered is that they did have a rifle, like or like AR. You know, like in the military, how they have the gun over right. their shoulder. Mm -hmm. They had that, and so I'm thinking, I'm like, this doesn't make any kind of sense. How can we be in space, they wouldn't need guns. So none of this is making sense. But as soon as I think that, they both grabbed me and they put something to my arm and that was it. I don't remember anything else until I wake up and I'm like in an examination room on a, on a, on a table. Again, something that does not make sense is that I'm strapped down. 
Now, anybody that I've ever interviewed that's been abducted, they don't need to be strapped down. They're basically, you know, paralyzed or whatever. They don't move. So none of this makes sense. But there are two grays that are in there. They walk up to me and telepathically are telling me that, you know, I just need to relax. It'll be okay. I, there's no way I could relax. I see a bunch of guys in lab coats. Absolutely, we're human. Uh, they're all talking. One walks out, walks back in with a tray with a cover over it. Now, I used to be a nurse, so that's a sterile setup. So immediately, I I know this is really not good, and I'm really panicking. And these little grays are trying to tell me it's okay, calm down, calm down. I, I can't calm down. They come right up to me, and they come to the right side of me, and they take this cover off. But I can't move my head. I don't know. I can't see what they're doing. But the next thing they know, I feel them next to my uh, right ear, and immediately, I immediately I felt something crawl into my ear. Oh God! And as soon as that happened, I had this pain and i wake up and i'm in my bed mm. and i'm in full sleep paralysis my jaw is locked all the way open like something out of a scary movie mm. um and yeah uh, after that i was so traumatized when i finally came out of the um sleep paralysis i got up i got in my car i got on the freeway and immediately the only thing i could think about was running my car off an embankment no. and probably maybe a foot and a half away from the guardrail. I had slammed on the um, brakes and stopped right about a foot and a half before I would have went over the embankment. And at that point, I called one of my actual team members who's a regression hypnotherapist and she works primarily um, with abductees. And she had been telling me for years I needed to have a regression and I needed to go under hypnosis. She thought there was more to my story, but I didn't want, mm. I figured anything I didn't know about, I didn't want to know. Mm -hmm. um, and I, she was the first person I called. And um, I literally got back in my car, sat there until I could calm down, drove directly to her and uh, had a session and Learned quite a bit and realized um, the reason I knew so much about how where to stand to see what was going on, how I knew how to get out of that room was that I had been going there for a very, very long time. So. Wow. Do you think you have a chip too? I accidentally found mine in the airport, the metal detector. I would have never known. You know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Now, I mean, I've had CAT scans and MRIs because ever since then, I've had horrible headaches. I get a high mm -hmm. tone pitch frequency mm -hmm. in my right ear, mm -hmm. and it will literally almost drop me to my knees. Um, so I've had multiple CAT scans, MRIs, and they have not shown me anything that would, you know, say, oh, this is something foreign. So I really don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, again, it just seems like in this field, whether it's research or your own personal experiences, the more answers you obtain, the more questions that follow. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's terrifying. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely terrifying. But, you know, what's also terrifying is, is was the times because 
you know, when I originally came out and started investigating in, in public, uh, to have, to say that you were psychic or to have a psychic on your team was taboo. Like, you know, you'd get run, you know, blacklisted quicker than anything. If you said you mm -hmm. had a psychic, um, and then they came out on TV and then all of a sudden it was like the light switch. Everybody, you know, um, was a psychic. And then, right. you know, um, I started, I've always known that there was this connection between all of these fields. And so I was, that's why I, why I started paranormal connections. Unfortunately, at the time when I started, this was like 13 years ago, um, everything was still very, very separate. And so people who were into the paranormal did not want to hear about abductees or UFOs and the people who were in the paranormal didn't want to hear, I mean, the people in the UFO field didn't want to hear about, you know, spirits mm -hmm. and uh, ghosts and UFOs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was really bad no, back then. Yeah. yeah, it was really bad back then. And so I, I that's why I started two different shows. I started that one. And then about three years later, I started Top Secret News, which originally was Alien UFOs and Beyond, um, so that I could do these things separately. But again, I was so worried about the ridicule of, you know, here I was a psychic medium and I was in the paranormal and here I've had these experiences, seeing UFOs and, you know, having this abduct these abductions and feeling so helpless, not being able to go to the own fields that I was in because of worrying about the ridicule. And because anybody, again, that I would feel comfortable and I would reach out to, they just looked at me like I was crazy. Like, you can't experience the paranormal and anything other related. Like, mm -hmm. that, it's like they had some scientific, you know, facts or research to say that, you know, you couldn't experience different things. So it, it took a long time. And then, you know, um, probably like over the last, say, four or five years, you know, I slowly started kind of talking about the experiences and stuff on my show because I was doing a lot more uh, uh, shows on the uh, precog dreams that I was having. So um, it, now yeah. it's out. It's, it's, it's still very, uh, again, you still get a lot of people who, it, this is very taboo, but I mean, hey, I've, I've always kind of been a rebel and if this is my experience, this is my experience. So, I mean, mm -hmm. who's to tell me it's not? Right. That's right. Gotta do your you own know, thing. You know, if I've learned anything by doing this all these years, all aspects of the paranormal, and I don't care where you're talking about or what you're mm -hmm. talking about, there's a connection. Mm -hmm. There's very rarely will I get involved with a case, especially more past 20 years or so, where there is not something other than the original phenomena connected to it. Uh, you know, it's funny when you... We, somebody will call you or talk to you or have you come to a location and they'll ask you about, you know, what, what they experience. They'll tell you about what they experience and you're sitting there and listening to them and you know, there's something else. And, uh, and as many times I've asked them, I said, you know, so what else is going on? Well, I didn't think it was important, but this, this, and this happened. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're looking for. And many times that will give you 
an indication of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, uh, Christina was talking about being, you know, alien abduction and alien encounters, and um, there usually is some type of some other aspect of the paranormal involved with it. And um, you know, unfortunately, and like she said, there are a lot of very close-minded investigators that just don't want to go beyond what is, you know, beyond what they're they're investigating or what the, they consider their field of investigation. And I, I think if we're ever going to find answers or solutions or whatever we're seeking, we need to be much more open-minded about all of this and to uh, and to not discount anything that anyone says about uh, about what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. definitely. Um, as far as when I used to do a lot of uh, residential investigation, I mean, I run three different paranormal groups, Raleigh Paranormal, uh, North Carolina Ghost Society, and Heritage Hunter Society. And I would get people from all around the United States asking me to come and investigate their homes. And I was like, well, I can't afford to do it. And uh, I can only stick to the East Coast and my areas. And uh, so I would have a questionnaire that I would, if somebody was interested, I would send them 135 questions that they had to fill out. And then I would go over it um, because I had to filter out the people that were, there's people that are crazy. There's people that yeah. have mental issues. And then there's people that have really uh, true activity going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would do a whole research thing on them. And uh, We do the same my, thing. You have to. Study. There's so much going. Is there drugs? Is there alcohol? Is there abuse in the family or the home? Uh, so many other factors. Um, and so I would eliminate it that way. And I would have to because uh, I couldn't go running around to everybody that's claiming that their homes are haunted and different things without doing research on them first. I always would tell them, I'm going to research you first before I come yeah. and do anything with your paranormal. I'm going to research you and find out everything about you. And I'm that's very right. good at that. So, um, uh, and that's what I would do. And the biggest thing is the number one question I was always ask is, do you watch paranormal TV and all these shows? And they said, oh, yes, we love all of them. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I won't be investigating your house then because uh, I did experience where a lot of people wanted me to come in. I was capturing really great evidence for them. And then they were taking it and they were submitting it to TV shows and they were trying to make deals with these TV shows with my evidence and mm. so i stopped to that and i was like you know that's when i stopped doing residential altogether i've done it for about 10 or 15 years and i've just burnt out now i just do the historical end that's what i love i've always loved history and i love to go to historical places uh mount vernon and monticello and different places i've had experiences there at these locations captured things there so that's my niche um uh, and like when it says there's so many different facets of the supernatural um, when it comes to, you know, crypto and everything else. So, yeah, um, unfortunately, you have to find your own niche and what you really enjoy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's important. I have a question real quick about Mothman. I know that he showed up before the bridge broke, right? Do you think there's more sightings because there's something that's going to happen? I I don't buy into the harbinger theory at all. Okay. You know, quite frankly, if you're talking about what well, I just 
in particular, talking about what happened at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, back in 66 and 67. Yeah. Um, people were seeing this, this wing beam. And, uh, of course, there were several sightings all throughout Mason, you know, Mason County, not only in Point Pleasant. But uh, the fact that that bridge collapsed and kind of after the fact where um, people came out and said, well, we saw the Mothman above the bridge. He predicted the bridge collapsed. 46 people died. You know, it, it's a small town. Right before Christmas, 46 people died. People are looking for answers as to why it happened. Of course, there was a structural issue. But the thing is that they, they believe that the Mothman was the harbinger, was the actual mm -hmm. portent. And I just don't really see much evidence of that in, in any of these wing humanoid, you know, uh, cases or phenomena. Quite frankly, there was only ever one case that I can recall that I even think about where there were some sightings that were actually proven before an actual disaster happened, and that was at Chernobyl. Um, when the Chernobyl nuclear accident occurred, uh, many people who had worked at the plant and those who worked in, lived in the town very near there had actually seen what they called the Blackbird of Chernobyl. They've seen this huge black winged being above the reactor. Mm -hmm. And this was going on almost a week beforehand. And of course, then they had the accident. But as far as any other proof of any type of harbinger, I, I just don't really, I just haven't seen the evidence of that. You know, unfortunately, when we got involved with this winged humanoid um, phenomena in Chicago, and I was actually calling it the Chicago Phantom when we started working the cases. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even want to relate it to the Mothman. I actually never really thought about it. Of course, when the press gets a hold of it, they want to start relating it to something else that people know about. So they were calling it the Mothman. Well, I went ahead and went along with it because I didn't want to confuse people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just went ahead with that. But quite frankly, when that started coming out, and started being called the Mothman, I was literally, and this is 2017 when the cases really started picking up, I was literally getting telephone calls 24-7 from residents in Chicago who were scared to death that something was going to occur in the city of Chicago that was going to be some type of disaster. And uh, that's, that's waned a lot since then, but the whole harbinger theory has continued on. And, you know, I kind of got to blame John Keel for that. You know, I talked to John years ago about that. And uh, he, he acknowledged that it was kind of fluffed up a bit. Uh, oh. I mean, he wanted to sell books. He wanted to see them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, but uh, the whole Mothman prophecies thing, and of course being, you know, associated with the um, the bridge collapse and the death involved with it, that was kind of um, that was kind of built upon. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on there as well. You know, it's not necessarily just the Mothman itself. You know, you had the Men in Black, a lot of UFO sightings going on, a lot of paranormal activity. Uh, it just wasn't the Mothman himself, but uh, itself. Uh, and it still goes on today. We still get, I still get sightings down there a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people say, well, you know, the Mothman thing's done with, and, you know, that mm -hmm. was the reason. 
I've probably investigated and looked into 30 to 40 cases since 60, this late 60s. Wow. People are still seeing it. Huh. Interesting. That is very, it's always in cities that they, mainly in cities? No. Uh, it, it's it's mostly in, in, in rural areas for the most okay. part. But, you know, like I said, this whole thing in Chicago is kind of a, I don't know, it, it, it's different because it's in an urban setting for the most part. But, there, you know, there's a lot of areas outside of Chicago that are a little bit rural, just, you know. And the cases that we've been looking at the cases within a 250 mile radius of the city of Chicago. So uh, it's kind of a regional thing more so um, than just Chicago itself. Mm. But uh, it's one. It, it continues on, maybe not to the degree it did, but we still, uh, you know, I think we've worked on five or six sightings so far this year. It's not mm -hmm. like it was back in 2017 where we had 55 sightings. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but it continues on. Yeah. And like you said, the media, the media feeds into this. Uh, oh, yeah. Authors selling books, um, which you know, there's every gamut of that. Uh, you know, I grew up on Long Island and uh, Amityville Horror and all that. And I mean, look, look what circus came out of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't believe any of it. I have a friend, good friend that his uh, cousin was renovating the home for two weeks. And he actually went up there and he stayed in the home for two weeks and he investigated every night when they were done and he captured nothing, zero. He's a very good investigator. And so... You know, yeah, of course there was murders there, and yes, spirits can uh, remain in certain locations sometimes. Um, but you know, uh, look at the circus that's become of the how much money has it made over one individual home all these mm -hmm. years? So uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the media. Um, I've had my own run-ins with them where they would come and do stories on locations we were doing, and they would change everything. They would change the entire story. Uh, you know completely opposite of what was there and what we captured and uh, so yeah it's just um it's part of the entertainment business you know yeah you so, gotta be wary of it i mean you know they're out to make a buck and you know they're selling oh. advertising and uh you know when you watch a show on television and uh they got to have a phenomenal show up in the show i mean there's there's something's got to keep people's interest in the show right yeah. uh, well so, that's that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily yeah. buy into everything I see on TV anymore. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I've done several shows, and many I haven't done just because of that reason. I, uh, yeah, you know. So, um, but I've been lucky enough to do a few decent ones. Uh, in fact, yeah. we we're, we're we got done filming a thing. Um, for the Chicago Mothman recently, so that'll probably be out sometime this fall. I can't say a whole lot about it, but uh, I was happy with the way things were done, and uh, it, it, it's actually on a, a very well-known show. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, for the real investigating people that are really doing this. Uh, it's a totally different world. It's uh, nothing like what they're portraying, and uh, even my show. That's on um, Prime TV is a true documentary. It, all the evidence is real. Uh, there's no jump things. There's uh, nothing like that. It's actually just really sharing the evidence and the location and the history. And to fans of these other shows, that would be very boring to them. But I want to keep it real. 
So I, I'm doing it for other investigators that want real, real shows and real evidence, things like that. Right. So not interested in uh, ghost adventures or any of those kind of silly things. Um, and people always say why they love those shows and this and that. But yeah, that's why the guy Zach is making millions. He is truly making millions. And uh, more power mm-hmm. That's your thing, and that's what you want to do, and you want to support him. Right. But not real. And uh, it's, it's all entertainment. Yeah, I went to his muse- museum in Las Vegas, and yeah. it was like a hoarder's house, pretty much. That's all it was. I was there last year. I actually went. Um, I'm not a fan of him. I don't support what he does. I don't like how he treats the locations that he goes to. I have friends right. that he came into these locations, and he was totally disrespectful. Uh, Jenny Wade House in Gettysburg, he did some really outrageous things there behind the scenes. Um just the, and they were so pissed because what he does is he makes everybody leave. Even the staff can't stay there when they're filming. And mm-hmm. he did some really, really apprehensible things. Uh, I just don't like him as a person. I think he's not a good person. He's out for the money. And uh, and people that want to connect to him so they can say, hey, I know him. Uh, yeah, more power to you if you think that's the way to go. But uh, the museum was interesting. A lot of that stuff is on loan from other places. Um, oh. The serial killer room, that was probably my most interesting room because yeah. uh, I was studying law enforcement for years and was going to be a police officer and, and always I was interested in the serial killer mind and to walk in there and see Ted Bundy's ski mask and mm-hmm. uh, John Wayne Gacy's things and Charles Manson's beard. I mean, it was crazy mm-hmm. stuff that was in there. But uh, yeah, did I like the museum? I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I was like, I could have done that. What did you like about the museum? I, I mean, it was spooky. I, I liked all of the things with the serial killers. I liked looking at all like their outfits. I mean, it was sad and creepy, but oh, it's creepy, yeah. it, It was interesting. I. When we went into the serial killers area, that was kind of overwhelming. The feeling was just icky, yeah. and I actually left early because the whole vibe of the place was just yeah. really heavy. Dr. And I just van. That was. Really I didn't like that at all. Yeah. I really didn't. That was sad. Yes, I'm twisted. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's part of history, and it's uh, it's very right. important to, to see that stuff, you know. Yeah, but you could feel the energy in the the van. I couldn't believe they put it in there, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that house originally, um, Jenna Jameson, the porn star, she grew up in that house, and she had mentioned all the paranormal that was going on when she was a kid um, Mm -hmm. before she ever got into that industry. So that's interesting. And that that house was, I mean, there's 30 rooms in that house. So uh, it's interesting, but uh, yeah. Yeah. They said the basement was dangerous to go in, and then they told people, if you want to go down there, go ahead, but you might get hurt. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going downstairs with a demon. You know, I'm not paying. <laughs> Have yeah, you got this? Yeah, yeah, this? Extra to go get hurt. <laughs> right. So this is a question for everybody. Have you ever dealt with a demon before? No. And do I support the belief? No. Uh, do I believe that there's evil in this world? Yes. Uh, hmm. But I don't support it, and I don't I don't do my research in, in it. Uh, and I do have 
I do have team members uh, from other groups that that's all they want is thrill seeking and demons and all that. And so more power to you, but it's not something I support. And I've been doing this for almost 30 years and mm -hmm. I've had no bad experiences and I've been many okay. places, so, but I, I believe it's what you put out there is what you get back. So mm -hmm. That's important. You know, I, I don't like that word demon. It's a word I very rarely will use. I mean, evil is evil in my book. Yeah. Uh, you can call it anything you want. If you want to use a religious connotation of demon, mm -hmm. uh, well, then fine. You use what you want to use. But, um, you know, if it's malevolent and there's different degrees of malevolency, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had a few. I've had a few rough ones. Mm -hmm. But as far as... Uh, you know, getting into uh, something to that level where, you know, I'm going to call, I'm going to say, well, you know, I, I'll tell somebody, look, if you want to get into the point where you've got to have the religious rights or Catholic rights brought in, then call a priest because that, you know, I'm not going beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think a lot of the cases that I have seen where the malevolency gets to that degree, there's a lot of outside influence. To, you know, is it a thought form? Is it a Tulpa generated type of being? Maybe. Uh, but I, I think a lot of times it, it gets to that degree. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah. Hollywood. Who knows? Hollywood has done a big injustice to our sure. field. And, uh, always has. I mean, some of the most scariest things are out of these movies and that people believe it, you know, and it's, it's terrible. It's, uh, I don't know if well, there's any movies that are portrayed that are accurate uh, to real to real things over the years. You know? Well, that's what gets me about just like the Poltergeist movie, uh, Spielberg's movie. That has nothing to do with the Poltergeist. No. It's, no, it's nothing. A Poltergeist is the thought form manifestation. It's, right. it's not a super malevolent being. It could be a super malevolent energy, but it has nothing to do with what was portrayed in that film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess they like to use the term poltergeist at a time when people really didn't know what a poltergeist was. Yeah. And that generated, you know, the interest in the movie. But it had yeah. nothing to do with a poltergeist. No. Mm. No. But that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. That's for you. Hollywood. Absolutely. You know, take, take it till you make it. That's how it is. You know, uh, just create anything and put it out there. Just like the, uh, what is it, the uh, the hat man, right? The hat man figure. Uh, yeah, I read all these things and I just laugh and I'm like, and these people really believe this. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. If, if you're in this field long enough and you've done so much work, you, you know, you see what's really out there. And uh, it's so subtle. You know, the paranormal is very subtle. And, you you know, I'll go somewhere and I'll sit for three hours and I'll get 30 EVPs from a location, but I'm sitting very quiet and I just ask mm -hmm. questions here and there. Um, you know, the opposite of what is being portrayed out there, you know, between Hollywood and TV shows. And I agree with the guys. I, I mean, this has always been a big debate on my show, too, is the whole demon thing. I mean, I'm 56 years old. I've been, I was investigating way before I ever was doing it publicly and knew what it was, but I, I 
don't, I've never experienced anything where I could say, absolutely, I feel like it was something demonic. I have absolutely encountered some things that were pretty nasty, 100%. I did an investigation in McMinnville, Oregon. Uh, was at an event. I, I literally, we saw in front of 15 people, we saw a black shadow figure come down the stairs, literally pick me up and I was levitated off the ground and thrown across Whoa. the floor. Oh no. And in front of a whole bunch of people. Now, mind you, when I woke up, I had no idea what happened. Grinchley's out. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, you know what? I mean, I woke up and, I mean, again, I've had experiences, like I said, where spirits have, like, went through me. And it's caused me to pass out. So I saw this black thing coming down. And I thought that, again, it just went through me. So when I woke up, that's what I, again, assumed. And I kind of just collected myself and thought, oh, that was a weird experience. And I drove 10 hours back to California and I was doing my show that next night. And I brought these people on and they decided to tell me on air live as I'm explaining the situation. I'm like, oh yeah, this black shadow came down and went through me and they're like, mm, yeah, not so much. And I'm like, what? And then, yeah, they said, oh, yeah, no, what actually happened was this. We actually saw this thing come. It literally levitated you and threw you across the floor where you slammed onto the concrete and was out. Oh, my God. But again, do I think it was demonic? I, I, no. Yeah. I know. I mean, this thing, whatever it was, we'll just say whatever it was. When I did the pre-walkthrough day prior, that thing made it very clear to me to not go, not come back, to leave and not come back. Mm -hmm. And I chose to go back. Okay. And I, I, I learned to listen <laughs> over the years. Again, you know, this field, it's a real trial and error type of thing that, you know, when we all started, there was no real paranormal investigating 101 that you could go take or, you know, anything mm -hmm. like that. You really just went out there and, and we all did a lot of things that probably, you know, were not the best ideas to do. Um, and as we, as we started learning, that's why so many other people wanted to try to help the newer people in the field. Unfortunately, this field is kind of like unraveled. It's completely different now. So there is no helping and it's, it's a much different time, but you know, it was, Funny what you guys were saying about, you know, TV and it, it determining what people think about demons. And I had a client that had called me and said, you know, oh, I need your team's help. You know, I've got a demon in my house and I'm like trying to get some information. And she was telling me that, you know, uh, she could feel it. It was pushing down on her bed and there was all kinds of things. And I said, well, why do you think it's a demon? She's like, well, I was watching that paranormal TV show on TV. And so this absolutely is a demon. And so again, I didn't give it too much priority. And I said, okay, I'll get it scheduled, things like this. This lady then calls me again and she's like, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Please come and help me. And I'm like, well, it was against my policy at the time to go to any location, any residence alone. We never let any team member, you always right. have to go with somebody else. And she ended up calling me like 2.30 in the morning, one morning, 
and was just in absolute fear. She was crying. She was just unconsolable. And I felt so bad. And I didn't want to call any of my team at that time of the night. So I said, okay, I'm coming. It was going to take me three hours to get there. Um, I got in my car. I drove straight there. I got to her house, knocked on the door. She opens the door and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And immediately I look over her shoulder and there's this older woman standing there. And she's like, well, it's about damn time that you got here. My daughter thinks I'm a damn demon. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm just I'm stuck. Like, I'm stupid. And I'm looking at her and she's like, wow. are you all right? And I'm like, did I'd you just pissed. recently have somebody pass away? Like your mother passed away? And she's like, yeah. So this woman is telling me, oh, yeah, I was sitting on the I was sitting on the bed and I tried to give her a hug. And she thought that I was trying to, to take all the breath out of her. And I said, oh, OK. So I explained this to the woman. Right. And immediately mm. she's like. So it's not a demon. It's my mother. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, OK, thank you. I no longer need your help. And literally slammed the door uh, in my face. What? Yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Shut the front That's door cool. on that. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Three hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Craziness, yeah. right? Well, you live and you learn. So I bet you don't do that anymore. I absolutely do not do that anymore. I absolutely don't even answer my I phone after soon. I anymore. put it on do not disturb. I, I am not that yeah. person anymore. Yeah. You were too kind. Many of us are too kind and a lot of things over the years to help people in the, so yeah you learn yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely michael uh, you you, know, you had an orb that passed over your body a couple seconds yeah, ago oh, yeah you sure there's, did there's, uh, three spirits in this out here in this garage this is my office out here and uh i have a very good friend who's very sensitive we were going to gettysburg and it's a little apartment out here in this bathroom and she was sleep sleeping out here and when i she came out in the morning we were loading the car she goes you know you have three black spirits that are over here by the bathroom right behind my chair and i said oh really and she goes oh yeah and they were just all pointing to behind my garage which this whole property was uh 400 acre farm at one time oh, wow and uh so and i've and i create my show out here and i edit and things and i'll be out here at three four five o'clock in the morning editing and there's things moving around and I've, co I've captured photos of things zooming over my head, but wow. uh, I just saw that. Well, I just saw that. <laughs> Do that. I don't know Do who that. they are. Do you have Bigfoot? <laughs> no Bigfoot. No, okay. I think I, I think I would know him. Um, but, uh, to get back to black shadows and I call it black masses, uh, to me, they're just ghosts. They're just another form of a ghost. Um, my place in the mountains, which is very haunted, I have black shadows all the time zooming around. They'll stand in the doorway where the sun is coming in, and I'll look, and the entire doorway is blacked out. And right. I can't see them. And for a second, they're like, and right. they're so quick, and they're so mm -hmm. fast. Um, so, I, you know, people think because it's black, it's like demons. It really isn't, and not in my opinion. Um, I just feel it's another form of spirits, you know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm glad you saw my little friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually uh, during Lala's show, I have to do the whip it. I have to do this because I kept interrupting her, her and Bob on the show all the time. 
all the orbs that were flying around in, in the ferry. So I was like, oh, there goes another one. There goes another one. But anyways, yeah. It's interesting. They'll get tired of me looking at them all through the, the camera or video. But, but then I'll go out of town or out of state and I'll come back and then there's a whole bunch of them. It's almost like they missed you and they wanted like, here I am. But then I'll stay around and keep checking a few days later. It's like one or two. They're like, whatever. It's fine. We said hi. It's okay. <laughs> it's interesting. It's never happened before. So whatever this house, I don't know if it's land or what. I know there's a portal out back. We have video of that, but there's all types. I, you know, I was never really into cryptids before, but I tell you what, they're real. I know now they're real. It, it, I've, I can't deny it. I don't know I what they are, but... Who on the panel here has seen full body apparition? Because that's what I always strive for. Mm -hmm. um, or, yeah. or so controversial. Um, and and I love, once you've seen and witnessed or captured, um, you know, apparitions, that's kind of what you that you focus is most of the time. Um, yeah, we, got a couple, we actually got a couple on, 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 uh, on yeah. digital camera that we yeah. had during yeah. cases actually doing doing remote views a lot of times we'll do an rv uh if i have somebody at the location and uh we used to do a lot of cases overseas and i have local people at the location either doing evps and, and getting video and getting photographs um we have had some full body apparitions show up during some of that fake we had a really interesting case where it actually happened the uh the person or the being that was causing the issue showed up and we were lucky enough to capture him in a full body but occasionally it happens yeah um, the energy just builds up when you're doing that and a lot of times you will you'll capture something yeah, yeah you should have been with me and with my wife in the cemetery when i caught my full body apparition the damn thing was riding a bicycle through the cemetery about kill me <laughs> it was a half of a moon. I was sitting there talking and it came out of nowhere. It was running at me. I was like, I didn't grab a camcorder. I didn't grab a camera, nothing. I just like, I had a heart attack. And everybody thought it was funny. I didn't know what to do. I panicked. <laughs> and who the hell would ride a bicycle to the damn cemetery? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know? It's their fault. In the yeah. dark. In the dark. Get the body I mean, I was sitting there having a good time. We had our equipment out, and out of nowhere, it's like here, it was like it's a ghost. It's running at me. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and I had all the. I, I didn't do nothing. I froze, and it just, it just. I mean, out of nowhere, it just appeared. So yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So yes. Oh, yeah, can you tell them? Can you tell them about the the doll that crawls around your? Floor? Oh, Hansel. By the way. I'll be one minute, by the way. I'll be right So back. I got these dolls from Germany. All my dolls are uh, either from antique stores or estate sales. Mm -hmm. And Hansel and Gretel, I don't even want to touch them. They're little bitty German dolls. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I got like 32 of them above my studio desk. And anyways, during one of the shows, I was sitting there. And uh, I was talking, just interviewing, just like we're having a general conversation. And lo and behold, I felt something like crawl on my foot. 
And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I look down and everybody's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. I can't see. It's below my studio desk. It's black because my light's up here. You see it reflect on my light, my glasses, right? So I can't see. So I'm trying to grab it. Now, the host of me, I'm scared, right? So I'm going to say I kicked it. So I go to reach for it, it moved, and that freaked me out too. Then when I grabbed it and I realized what it was, it was a doll. Now in my studio, I've got these real nice things, rub your feet on, to pedal your feet, and you know, massage your feet. So I don't wear shoes in my studio. So it just like crawled up. So I have psychics and like Law Law and some other ones that are well known throughout the world. I would pull them up in the camera during our live shows, and they were like, ah. They freak out. They were like, why'd you show me that? I'm like, why? And they're like, because that thing's got an attachment. I'm like, why'd you have to tell me that? So Get yes. rid of them all. I, I tried. And everybody's like, tell me the story about that. How spooky is it? And I'm like, why does everybody want to know a spooky story? I'm just trying to get rid of them. But anyways, then I, then I, and for some reason, I just kept buying more for no reason. So then I just quit. <laughs> And what was really weird is they were all coming in fours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in the first set, I was in the antique store and I was walking. Excuse me. Uh, hello. And I stopped and I turned around. I'm like, it's a child. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, nobody's there. I was, well, I was somebody next, next down. I looked over. There's these four dolls, like 36 inches tall. I'm like, ah, these would be good for the paranormal show. Let's buy them. I only want two. So I told Lady, I want two of them. She said, You got to buy four. I said, Two. She said, Four. I said, Two. She said, You got to buy them in a lot. I'm like, Why? She said, If you buy any of them, you got to buy all four. I'm like, Whatever, make me a deal. So I bought all four. So I brought them home. And I had poltergeist activity. I had books fun. This was during my live shows. And people Whoa. were like, Grizzly, come on. So I went out and bought extra cameras for the studio and all this other stuff to put around. I bought cat balls. I bought all kinds of stuff. Oh, man. I, I mean, they were they were throwing them at me. They were hitting me in the... Yeah. So I had to, I had to buy Gorilla Tape and tape them down. They were wow. taking my backdrops, folding them. Yes. So I had this one guy I was interviewing on the show, and uh, he was like, you got dolls? And I'm like, oh, whatever. You're going to punk me out now. It's like, whatever. You watch one of my shows. So I'm like, I'm going to roll with this guy. I'm going to call him out, right? I'm like, I'm going to get him because I, I used to be in law enforcement, so I'm going to play his game. So like, yeah, I got some. He was like, uh, you have an activity, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so he was telling me a story. I'm like, yeah, all right. He goes, the person on those dolls are upset with you. And I leaned back and I'm like, what do you mean? Well, the person is an adult that's got a child's mind. And you're disrespecting her dolls. And those are her sanctuary those are her pride and joy and i'm like oh and i saw somebody in the chat was like good job so and so and i'm like oh that's that's so and so from greece that's a high well-known psychic in the world and i'm like she's on my panel and i'm like she knows this guy 
and it put two and two together. I'm like, oh, Jedi Knight. She, this guy's in training. And I'm like, oh, he's got my full attention. So he gives me a rating, blows my mind. So he tells me who owns the doll. I need to say hello, good morning, and all this stuff. So I do everything he says, and everything stops. Can you believe that? So every once in a while, you'll see stuff being thrown or whatnot, but I have to take things down. That's why, because she's playful. That's so, right. yes. Lon, are you hearing oh, yeah. something? Lon, are you hearing yeah, something? Yeah, there's, there's something making noise over here by the steps. I, was, that, I well, heard it. That's actually it's the first time I heard it. In, oh, your back, in your back kitchen area by your refrigerator, I saw a, uh, a yeah. white light zoom by you. Yeah, that's my wife and Butch Witkowski, a friend of mine and my wife, they show up once in a while. Really? Yeah. It, it would, uh, almost looked like a firefly. It was bright. Yep. That's nice. Yeah, it happens a lot. You know, I'll be on my show and people will say, oh, God, I, I see something back in your kitchen or back in your hallway. Yeah. Well, I know what it is. <laughs> but no, I was listening. Um, I had some sounds coming from the, the stairs. And uh, I was just wondering, I was just trying to get a better better audio of it. I was trying to figure out what it was. I don't know what it was. It, I actually live beside a cemetery. And ah. uh, I, I don't know. But I haven't had much problem here, though. What? Yeah, she's just visiting. Somebody's visiting. Uh, <laughs> do, you yeah, all cat, do you all play with cat balls, too? Oh, I, I, yeah. Just recently, I started using them at the Nickerson Sneed House in Virginia, which was from the 1700s. And man, these things were lighting up. And like I said, you can only activate them by touching them. And we had them sitting on the couch with us, and we would ask questions, and they would start lighting up. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like I said, this is a very inexpensive thing to have. Uh, and I, I did film it, and like I said, I used a Tesla coil, so I, was, I ran that for a little bit, and then we put these things, and they were lighting up, and uh, they, they can't be affected by Wi-Fi. We tried Wi-Fi and different things that wouldn't activate them. So, yeah. Look at Christina. Christina's like, I don't need. <laughs> I don't need cat balls. I can just see the crap. <laughs> no, well, yeah, that is true, but well, no. But you you want to share it. You have to show it. <laughs> I actually go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just saying. I actually, I mean, yes, I visually can see it, so it's it's a little different for me. But I actually love the technology. I love to check it out. I love to see what works and what doesn't. I mean, it was. Yeah. I can remember way Important. back when they first came out with the 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 ghost radar app. You know where they have the little green circle, yeah. and everybody coming in like, "Oh my gosh, look at all the spirits! Do you see any spirits?" I'm like, "Yeah, but not there, <laughs> not there, not there, not there, not there, not there." Just in the app world, that's all. <laughs> right, right. In the in the app world, there's that many. So you know, yeah. for me, it's interesting. You know, number one to visually see if there's something there. Then we'll what the interaction we get with the technology. Again, right. I'm just not a big techie person, and anything yeah. they give me that's techie, it'll probably blow it up. So I just, I just like to sit back and watch. And but I love it. Do you, ever, do you ever work with some, someone like me where I'll go in, I'll get evidence, I'll get photos, I'll get video, I'll get EVPs, and then what I do is then I bring. I only work with very few people that are psychic, and I'll bring them in with no knowledge. I won't even give them the address, 
and I'll mm -hmm. actually bring them there. And then they'll peg a lot of my evidence. And to me, it's great. They love it because then they could, you know, prove to themselves what they're picking up on. And that's the way I do it. I do it in the reverse. And uh, so I'll get full information, full history, EVPs, voices, names. I'll get all that first. And then when they walk in and they start describing the person that I already know is there, to me, that's this 10 times yeah. better. You know, for, you know, for me, when we go with my team, um, myself and my co-founder, we're both psychic mediums. And what we pick up is different. And, you know, we pick different yeah. things up. So her and I will usually walk through um, the area first and then we'll write down anything that we pick up or we see any descriptions, anything like that. Then we put those away and then we come back in with our team with all of you know the tech and everything. And then at the very end of it, we have a meeting and we see what we can get that validates what we're, what we're picking up. But as a psychic reading who works on other cases, I've been called into a lot. Um, I love that you say that because the first thing is if somebody asks me to come, I never want to know where I'm going. I don't want to have any information because that's the first thing. I, I'm sorry. I'm known for calling people out, but there are so many fakes out there. And, you know, like if they know where they're going, they'll go and Google the history, you know, and it's like, yeah, right. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, ever since I came out about my abilities, it's like everywhere I go, anything that I do, even when I meet new people, it's like, again, it's like I'm the circus act because everybody wants me to give them a reading or be able to prove that I am right. somehow a psychic. So for people right. like me, it's very, you know, normal, but I'm very critical because I get a lot of people that, you know, say oh let's you know um exchange readings and things like that and i'm so disappointed because it's, they're such frauds and <laughs> so you got to be careful out there and then these are the same people that are out there charging crazy amounts of money for oh, yeah. private readings and things like that oh, so yeah. there's well, a license and it's, and it's so funny how the paranormal field investigating we can't charge a dime you know right We're oh at, yeah we charge five cents we're bashed, but then psychic mediums could charge $500 an hour, and that's fine if the person wants to. I've had people say, look, I spend $500 on shoes, so if I want to spend that on a psychic, I'll do it. I'm like, go for it. I said, but it's not genuine, and you know, at least people that are trying these hard, you know, high amounts, they're usually well, not right, genuine. Right. You know, I mean, they prey on people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I do... I do get the the point of, you know, psychics charging. Um, I used to give free readings to everybody because, again, back in the day, if you were a psychic medium and you charged anything in the paranormal, oh, you were trashed, you know. And so I gave free readings away. And there would be times that I would do 30, 40 mini readings a day. And I had people that would call me one two three in the morning from overseas completely different time you know zone and want a reading and they loved me until i said no mm -hmm. and then they would you know turn on me immediately uh so eventually i i had so many people that were saying you know what the way you filter all this out is to charge you have to charge and i literally struggled with it for years and years but 
it's really started taking a toll on my health as well, um, doing mm -hmm. the readings because I, I suffer from a terminal autoimmune illness with no cure. Right. So the more That's readings funny. I was doing, the more energy I was putting out, I wasn't getting anything back. So it's more of an energy exchange. So like when people want me to do a reading for them, I don't do them often, but I, I still do do them. And whenever they ask me, what do you charge? I always tell them, uh, there is no, you can give me, you can donate whatever you would like, whatever you think that the reading was worth. Because for me, it's not about monetary gain. It never has been and never will be. It's, yeah. you know, a matter of helping people and to get closure and to get answers and all of that. And yeah. again, the monetary way it comes in is just something in exchange. So it's not just me giving, giving, giving. And I, I mean, I've had people, I've, told people five dollars give me five dollars like you know if you have to give me five dollars it's something i don't care give, give me a dollar you know it, mm. it doesn't really matter because it's not about the money but when i see people that are charging you know oh 75 a special 75 dollars for a 15 minute mini reading you know give me mm. your uh questions no that's not the how it's supposed to go like you shouldn't be asking the person you're going to do a reading for anything you should see what comes through and right. the information is never supposed to be meant for you. So it should be able to, you know, the person should be able to connect to that and get information that they're looking for without you having to prod them with additional questions. Well, yeah, it's a very fine line. And it's uh, even in the paranormal, it's, uh, it's like I said, 95% is not worth the dirt. <laughs> And it's the five percent um, that really are genuine. Uh, if you've been in this long enough, you you see you see all the craziness of the newer stuff, and it's it's insane. Yeah. You know, when yeah. I saw people using flashlights. Turn the flashlight on. Turn the flashlight off. I was like, really? I mean, I've been using a mag light for forty years, and you know, you're just moving the contact just so it barely touches. Um, That's right. Even if it does, uh, that what kind of evidence is that? That's not evidence. That's uh, how are you proving that the uh, Aunt Jane or somebody, yeah, you know, that's right. why I, I really do love the audio and where I'm getting direct contact with right. spirits and their voices. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, I don't bash anybody if, if that's what you're in, parlor tricks and all that, uh, you know, dog and pony show. If you if that's what you're into, go for it. Uh, and, you know, you're going to get famous and you're going to make all this money. Uh, yeah, go for it. That's, that's not what the paranormal is about as far as I'm concerned. You know. I used yeah, to I try to convince a lot of people of that because there's so many people out there nowadays that believe they're going to get it's a it's a quick rich type of scheme. No, I mean, we yeah, spend more money than we ever that made. I just don't understand. You, you, I mean, say I've that had again. people. Yeah, I've had people tell me, "Why well, you've written all these books? You do that." Yeah, you don't make any money off a book. <laughs> I'm not making any money off of any books. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the only people I charge nowadays are if I have a celebrity who will contact me about giving them a private tour at Gettysburg, because I live near Gettysburg, or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I I mean, yeah, that they'll charge them. I mean, I charge them well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they, they want that, that's fine. That's different. Uh, occasionally somebody will contact me out of word of mouth, they'll want to, you know, they want me to help them in, in something that's going on. And yeah, I mean, if they, if that's what they want, if I, you know, I know they can afford it, then fine, I'll charge it. And I yeah. tell them right off the bat, I mean, you know, 
Yeah, you kind yeah, of had a lot of people who have been involved with this who are, who are psychics or intuitives that have literally chewed my ass up because I, I won't charge. The Nemo, they yeah. charge all day long. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, you're making us look bad. Well, you know, that's fine. But if I if this person can afford it and they're insistent about doing it, then yeah, I will charge them. I you know I'll say this this and that you know when, you know, but um, yeah, I'm, I, I I agree with that. I mean I'm I I, I really don't like charging. I, I really don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes that weeds out. I'll get rid of that purse. Yeah, $1,500, but I'm having a 15% off right now for you. You're right. I'll light a candle for $100. I've had somebody say that to me before. Like, oh, man. We need to make a show on all the phonies that are out there and put that out there. But, uh, you know, that we definitely. Oh, yeah. That's why we I started. Material. Oh. When I lost my family, I really couldn't find any psychics that were good and it broke my heart. I was like, well, I'll just do it and help. I'll help people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was sad. You know, Lola, one of the things for me, you know, I've been able to help so many people get closure and give messages over the years, the downside, and even being in the field as long as I have. And again, meeting all of these psychics and so-called psychics, I have never been able to meet one yet that has been able to give me a true reading from my loved ones. And this, mm -hmm. the worst part is, is like when people say, oh, you know, it's such a blessing that you have these abilities. And, you know, I guess, yes, for other people it is because I can help people and it does help them and it's great. But yeah. it's a double-edged sword because like for one, it's not something I can just shut down. Like it, right. like the paranormal is my life 24 hours a day, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I live and work in a, you know, a haunted location, mm -hmm. historical building, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. this is all the time. But the thing is I can help so many people, but all of the people that I have lost, especially like over the last five years, it's been back to back. I can't connect to my own relatives. You know, yeah. I can't do a reading for myself. So it's hard and I've searched out a lot of people and you know, I, I, after a while you get discouraged because it's like, I had one lady, I can't even believe that she even really even tried to run this game, but you know, it's, she started out, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting like a grandmother, you know, a figure coming forward. Does that mm -hmm. make any sense? Well, God damn, I'm 56 years old. My grandma <laughs> should be dead by now. Yeah, right. I, I have a couple, right. And uh, she was like, and I said, well, can you, I do, I've got you. Can you describe the hair? And she's like, well, you know, yeah, it's all great. And I'm like, yeah, nope, that wouldn't be it. Oh, well, was it like dark hair? How can, was it black or was it gray? Like, right. how is there, you, you can't figure this out. You know, and I'm like, okay, so do you, can you get like a name? And she's like, um, maybe something like a P. And she looks at me, I'm like, no, nobody with a P. Well, maybe mm. it's a a D. No, nobody with a D either. Oh, you're playing oh. Jeopardy? Maybe it sounds like a C. Maybe <laughs> I don't have anybody with any of those. Like my grandmother's name is Jewel, you know? So it was like. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's right difficult, there. you know. But I buy a valve for three hundred dollars. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so it gets frustrating. And I'm just one of those people, you know. I mean, my show was known in the beginning very well for exposing people. So it's like you know, mm -hmm. I get somebody that's so blatant. It's just like, man, you must want me to do a show on you. But <laughs> so I've just kind of stayed away, and I'm like, you know what, like if. If they're supposed to come to me, they will. And if they don't, right. they don't. You know, I'm just, I'm going to keep moving forward. My mission, when I had my near-death experience, my mission that I was told was that I needed to come back. I needed to, my it wasn't my time. I needed to come back. I needed to use, be open about my abilities and I needed mm -hmm. to use them to help people. So yeah. that is my goal, my only goal, and you know, hopefully, I complete this mission so I can go haunt some people after a while. Uh, and I, when I leave, and I don't have to regenerate and come back. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, she missed my first book, Whispers of the Mind. Remember that book? Well, well, I'll be out this fall sometime about the psychic journey I went on. Yeah. The second book I'm working on is Near Death Experience, so I'm gonna have to circle back with uh, her on that one. Yeah. Okay. So oh, NDEs. Wow. So yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I find so, that very uh, interesting. I've never had one, but I yeah. love hearing about experiences. Yeah. So I'm oh. trying to get this book wrapped up. I went on a spiritual journey last year and I went to a bunch of uh, well-known psychics to try to debunk them. Instead, I found people like you and and how they lived a not so good life growing up because they were so different. Yes. And uh, not normal, right? Nobody has a normal life, but you have an abnormal life because uh, you thought that everybody had the same abilities that you did and you were an outcast. Mm -hmm. And that affected not only you growing up, but also relationships. And I can go on and on. I learned so yeah. much about all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was told and by one of my through psychic said I was going to write a book and I laughed. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and the fruit came and I was like, wow. And uh, then I was going to write another one. I was like, nah, da, da, da. and now it's going to be near death experiences. So yeah, it's definitely something that change. If you have one, it definitely changes you forever. It, it, it's an experience that you, you're never the same after. Let's just put it that way. It, it is very life-changing. It is. Now, I do have a question for Strickler here. What is a Bigfoot? Good question. Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew. Why don't you tell somebody? I mean, that's, that's the answer I can give you. I mean, I had an encounter uh, back in 1981. I've been looking into the phenomena ever since then. Uh, of course, there's two camps as far as the Bigfoot or much less cryptids go. Right. Uh, some believe it's flesh and blood indigenous being that, you know, and I, I think there are some mm -hmm. uh, in certain areas. Uh, but quite frankly, I, I think for the most part, what people are seeing are an interdimensional being. Oh, I love Possibly that. Ultra terrestrial. Yeah. Um, I, I can't prove that, but after all the anecdotal evidence and even some possible sightings with some 
photographic evidence, I, I believe that may very well be what it is. Now, of course, um, I, I, I do believe there are indigenous beings. I think there are family groups, I, just like the Pacific Northwest, some parts down in Florida, around the Gulf Coast. I think there's actually absolutely some type of uh, hairy hominids that uh, are very similar to what people are seeing or what they call Bigfoot all through throughout the world. But I think for the most part, what people are seeing are an interdimensional being. I agree. So Ron Moorhead. I think it may very well be with winged humanoids, with uh, dogman or cryptid canines and and other other beings. I, I think um, such as elementals. Well, very, very similar to what elementals are, uh, you know, um, that that's why I say when you're talking about the paranormal, that there's so many connections, you may run into anything, quite frankly. Um, but I think there is, um, I, I, I think in April all these years, you know, this is a question I get all the time. It's, it's a question I've been asking myself ever since I had my encounters. Um, what are these things? And, you know, at this point now, I, I believe that's that's the best answer I can give. Good answer. Now, I love this panel. <laughs> now, what color is a polar bear? No, oh, here we go. <laughs> I didn't know the answer either. I thought it was white. Nobody answers. So everybody assumes it's white. It's actually I white. I do, yeah. It's actually so, black. Oh, really? So the hair on the polar bear is black, and the hair is translucent like fiber optic, right? So it reflects the light. So if you look at alleged Bigfoot oh. hair, it looks like fiber optic hair. It's clear. Mm -hmm. So that's why we think that it's able to uh, cloak and absorb the surrounding. Now, we know in 2006, the U.S. government said that we can make a goldfish and a bunny rabbit disappear, right? They had the technology to do that. So, and they and they do. They can make ships and tanks disappear, right, with technology. So, that, my thing is, and my question is, how do they camouflage themselves? I, You know, the string theory, vibrations, right? We know that they can probably see outside of our field of range, like infrared and IR. That's mm -hmm. a possibility. But I also think if you ever look at their hair underneath a microscope, it's like that pillow. You rub it one way, it's red. You rub it the other way, it changes colors. Hmm. And if you ever look at a Bigfoot hair underneath a microscope, it's very photical. It, it's got very rough ridges. So if it stimulates it somehow with electricity, EMF, whatever, I think you could shift that vibrations and absorb and, and reflect or absorb the surroundings. That's wow. just a theory. I don't know if you ever thought about well, that or not. It's probably a pretty good theory because, you know, frankly, we have had sightings of Bigfoot where people have said they've literally seen it disappear, especially in areas like a forest where there's like some light coming through the canopy where they will get into the light of a canopy, you know, that's shining through the canopy and, and literally just disappear. Uh, it does happen. Uh, you know, we've been looking into phenomena now for maybe the past decade, what we call the glimmer man effect, just like very yes. something very similar to the, um, the predator. predator film. And, yes. uh, and we have, and we do have 
literally have video and, and photographs of this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we actually have one photograph of um, of a Bigfoot that that's literally half glimmer, half flesh and blood at uh, Saltbrook wow. State Park out in Ohio. So um, it does happen, and I, I think that phenomena that there's something very very uh, true about that. Uh, I think these beings, and not just Bigfoot, I think many of these beings have the ability to cloak themselves, have the ability to move in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm saying interdimensional, I'm talking literally linear, linear dimensions. I mean, right. You know, the, the, this, um, this wing humanoid phenomena that we've been dealing with in Chicago, I, I think these beings do move in and out into a linear, into a linear dimension, linear to our dimension, to our earth plane. Uh, and I think that's, that's how they, they show up and just disappear. And we have had witnesses literally see them manifest like they're coming through an invisible doorway and vice versa leaving through an invisible doorway uh so um yeah there's something about and you talked about string theory you know i I, this is this is the theory i have um i i believe that uh quantum computing and it's getting it's becoming more and more mainstream as as time has gone on Absolutely. I mean, you can literally go out and you're going to spend ten or twenty thousand, but you can get yourself you can get yourself a quantum computer. But it, you know, just like anything else, electronic, eventually the price is going to come down, where it's going to become consumer grade. And I think as more and more people start getting involved with that and are able to use it, I think we're going to start getting more answers to the paranormal. Hmm. And the best way I, 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 I tell people that uh, on on our shows is think about the electric eel, right? Mm-hmm. When people did not know what the electric eel was and they grabbed a hold of it and it knocked the hell out of them, they mm-hmm. thought it was evil. That's Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know what that was. They couldn't tell Christina. Christina, it knocked the hell out of me. It shocked me. They didn't know what electricity was 300 years ago. So they, it was bad mojo. It was it was something that the gods, you know, punished me. They didn't have words to relay that, right? So they had to describe in their own words and figure it out to explain that to somebody. I think we are in that same boat. Now, Ron mm-hmm. Moorhead is one of my admins, a couple of my Facebook groups. And, and he told me when he wrote his book before it was published, he's like, Grizzly. If you would have told me about interdimensions, because we know there's three, but now there's possibly 11, right? Mm -hmm. That these things can walk in and out. I would laugh at you. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, you're crazy. But now, instead of looking around the box and outside of the box, we have to look over the box and and, and really look at the the scope of things. Because Mm -hmm. every time stickler that i drew a line in the sand i would have to erase that line and move it forward so now i don't even put a line in the sand i'm open to anything right because anything's a possibility because nobody's an expert it's not like i can go to the library and pull an encyclopedia of britannica and look up sasquatch or a skunk ape mm-hmm. and figure out everything right so it's just interesting at people's other opinions and in in their thoughts on it because it's interesting well, you know, this is something we've been this is something we've been dealing with now for 20 years. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. 
I, I have been corresponding and, and associating with a lot of a lot of cryptozoologists and people involved with cryptids for all that time. And it's it's it is very interesting how many people have changed their minds since you know um well known people who have you know that had been strictly flesh and blood for years and years and years, then right. as time has gone on uh they start thinking well we haven't got a body we haven't got really any physical evidence we there's something else going on then people capture certain things on video or that just aren't explained um you know it changes people's minds eventually mm -hmm. uh, you know when i had my encounter i i saw this thing standing in front of me and it, it was like yeah i i see it's there you know this thing is flesh and blood it's eight foot tall, it's hairy, it, it looks like a Neanderthal, but it, you know, what the hell is this thing? You know, of course, I thought, well, maybe it's a Bigfoot, you know, it was around the time when the Boggy Creek thing was real big back then. Yep. And um, yeah, maybe I, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, as time has gone on, and I started investigating mm -hmm. and looking into the phenomena, I had a winged humanoid sighting in 1988, not far from where I live now. Um, there's something more behind it. Uh, these 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 beings just don't exist without us seeing them. They're they exist, but they're coming from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, very close to the uh, apparition spirit, um, you know, sightings as well. And mm -hmm. technology, like I use a lot of thermal video. That's mostly mm -hmm. what I use. I love it. And in my first episode that you can watch on uh, Prime, uh, we captured a woman floating in front of us for about 30 to 40 seconds. Whoa. And she's floating right there. And you can see this lady. And she's holding a shawl. And it's on thermal video. And we're all looking at the monitor. And we're looking at her. And we don't see a damn thing. And there she is floating right in front of us. So, uh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> the best technology is really from the military what the military has been using for, you know, since uh, World War II, you know, and, right. and, and like you're saying about quantum physics, I mean, I think it's fascinating. And the more we learn, the more we experiment with it, um, we're going to get more and more answers, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Lala, do you have any more questions? Um, I know it's late, but I do have one more. I just was wondering, um, so Grizzly has a UK group of ghost hunters and they, they frequent this one place. I think they've been there 13 times now, 12, 13 times. And one of the women have gotten scratched by whatever this thing is. It throws pebbles at their heads. Psychic attacks. Right. What is, I, I've never been, I mean, I've woken up with weird bruises, but I've never been scratched. What is that about? Should she do something? Should she not go back there? I'm a little concerned. Well, well it's happened to me on two occasions, okay. but it's actually happened at long distance uh, doing RVs. Wow. I had a, um, yeah, I, I, I was involved with a remote view about, about 12 years ago. Hmm. On a case we were doing in, in Prince Edward Island, I was here. You know, I was living in Maryland at the time, and uh, I was—I had someone doing the monitoring, 
of the RV and I was actually doing going through the phases and collecting evidence and such and but uh, all of a sudden I felt something on my chest and you know I'm, I'm in the middle of the RV I felt it but then I, I started feeling something warm mm -hmm. I was literally cut I was oh cut my from my top of my sternum down to my belly button I was lacerated. It was a laceration. And I was bleeding, mm -hmm. and uh, the monitor pulled me out of the RV, and we, you know, we went back later and, and finished it. But no, I was cut. I, I had the, I had the photographs of it. I had another, uh, I had another RV I was involved with years later, where I, I bruised my ribs on my right side. I actually had to go to the hospital. My ribs were wrapped up for three weeks, and uh, but it does happen, even even distance, remote. I mean, you know, uh, I can say I have been at locations and have had not had it happen, but then I can protect myself a lot easier when I'm doing physical uh, physical uh, investigation. When you're doing it remotely, that's a little tougher. I mean, you got to kind of extend yourself out a little bit more when you're trying mm -hmm. to protect yourself. But uh, if you do have a very malevolent entity or energy that you're dealing with, they seem to be able to sneak in there sometimes. Mm -hmm. What what cut you? What was it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they used to cut me, but I was cut. It, it was clean too. It was just like a laceration, right down. It was about um, about a foot long. It was pretty pretty good size laceration. Wow. Oh my God. It didn't require stitches, but it bled. <sighs> That's scary. I didn't even know that that could happen, honestly. Oh, yeah. I would I would tell her that if she's going to be going there, first of all, she should be doing some kind of protection if she's going out and investigating. I don't think they do that. They literally said, they tell them that they can take, they tell the spirits, you can take my energy. And I'm like, no, you, you don't. You never want to do that. That is... Yeah, you yeah. never want to do that. I mean, they're awesome. I'm not talking down. I'm just concerned. No. Yeah, yeah. They're... But, but that is a, I'm going to say is a rookie move, like doing things like that, as well as not protecting when you're going out. Um, yeah. Opens you up to all kinds of things, not only is tax, but also things can follow you back to your home and cause mm -hmm. havoc in your own home. It, it's very important. You know, the majority of the cases where I try to remove an attachment are people that believe that they that they're, they believe they're paranormal investigators. Absolutely. I've had more investigators. Something very stupid and not protect themselves. Yeah. And they bring it back home and then they got a problem. Yeah. I, I think almost 60 to 70% of the cases that I have been involved with are people who believe they can go out there and do whatever they want as far as in, in a case. Or you know, try to communicate with spirits, or give them permission to do this. Not not protect themselves. Don't use any light protection, any aura protection, nothing. Not even carry a crystal or anything that you know. Right. And, and have an attachment. And some many times when they go to these locations, a lot of times it's cemeteries. Cemetery about the worst place in the world to go and start calling stuff out. Mm. They're gonna grab something. And uh, then they call you and say, well, this, this, and this happened. And the first thing I, you know, it's one of the first questions I do, uh, give, ask now is, were you involved in a 
paranormal investigation. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. start from there. So tell them to they need to do protection. Absolutely. Do not invite the spirits to take your energy. That is not a good, a good thing to do. For real. Yeah, for real. It's, That's yeah. the fundamental right there. And even when you leave, you need to verbally state it. You're Absolutely. not welcome to follow us. You're not welcome to come in my car. You need to state your location. I did have, um, I think it's a child that followed me home one time. And uh, I woke up the next morning and right in my doorway of my bedroom was a three foot black shadow during the daylight. And so I started yelling for it to it had to leave, had to go. I didn't invite you here. Um, and that's the only incident that one time. And we did tell them, we always do that. Um, and my other friends use prayer. Uh, I don't use religion as much, but they do. And we always tell them, you need to stay. You're not welcome to join us or come home. But that's important. That's, yes. That's, that's rule number you one. Start when, you, when you finish. Yeah. yeah. Very, very important. Yeah. You know, I, you know quite honestly, I, I, I use so many different things now when I when I get involved with, with a case. Uh, I'm doing uh, affirmations. I'm doing golden light, white light, extend my auras. Mm -hmm. I carry certain crystals with me all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I come from a long line of family members who were powwowers. I always carry a, a long lost friend with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, you know, I, I use a lot of different things. I use a lot of, uh, a lot of divination um, in my work. But mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it has helped and I know it helps, you know, it's, um, you, you've got to, you've got to protect yourself. I mean, that, that, that's just standard. I mean, and you know, you're going to pay the consequences if you don't, mm -hmm. I mean, I go to Gettysburg, I protect myself. Yeah. I walk on that battlefield. I always protect myself. Shoot. I go outside and I do, I protect myself because <laughs> you don't yeah. got to go. You don't have to go to a cemetery or a historic haunted building. Like there are spirits everywhere. everywhere. And one thing that I will say is that, you know, again, when we went back, we were talking originally at the beginning of the show about, you know, demonic presence and things. Anytime somebody gets scratched or pushed or tripped or anything like that, they immediately think it's, you know, something demonic. And I will tell you, it. I guess it could be, but more cases than not. And when I've experience things like that or had cases like that it can 100 percent be a human spirit if that human died say suddenly tragically they don't know that they have died then exactly. they still and say they were uh i had a case where uh, uh we were investigating this guy who was a serial killer and he used to rape and then kill the women mm -hmm. and every single woman in my group was being attacked one got scratched one got pushed down the stairs so if they hold on to those uh, the way they were before they passed then that's exactly how they are in death now once yeah. they cross over all that seems to go away and there's none of that negativity that's uh, you know attached to them but again if they have not crossed over they will and they were a bad person before 100 percent that's um, still yeah. going to stick around and you're going to possibly be a target yeah so that's why again it's so important i think to you know make sure you protect and there's tons of different ways to do it it, it mm -hmm. you know 
There's not one, you know, cookie cutter way that you do it, but you need to do some kind of protection because again, otherwise, you know, people aren't a believer until they have their own personal experience. And right. like Lon said, I've had more investigators that have turned clients than I want to admit. And I, you know, I tell them, well, man, you guys will always keep me in business, I guess, because you're constantly, you know, needing some help because you think you know what you're doing and you have no clue. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't need, I don't need protection. I don't use protection. I want the spirits to interact with me. The protection has nothing to do with the spirits interacting right. with you. If they're going to interact, they're going to interact. But the protection is to keep them from being harmed or affected if you have abilities and their mm -hmm. spirits they could be sucking the energy right out of you they can mm -hmm. cause you to become ill they can cause you to pass out there i mean there's again there's so much more to the whole protection thing than just you know oh well, i just want to make sure that you know nothing happens to me there's, there's a lot of things that it works for right yeah it's been all my because she's a really gentle sweet soul and when she said that, my heart just broke. And I'm like, oh, and she's, a, they're a lot younger. I think they're all in their 20s or early 30s or something. Yeah, so they're young. Yeah. So they're little babies. That's and all I'm right. But like, you know what? That, that's why everybody needs to, you know, teach the young ones. Because again, being, you know, in this field so long, we've always, we have all experienced some real negative things at one point or another. And mm -hmm. it's things that you wish you would have known or somebody would have told you, you know? And so it's like, now that we have this knowledge, we don't want you to make the same mistakes. It's almost like being a parent all over to a whole field, you know? It's yeah. like, we don't want you to make these, you know, the mistakes. And if you tell them no, now the younger ones, they absolutely want to do that just to, you know, prove a point. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's tough, but my, you know, my advice and it seems like everybody else's would be, you know, definitely really kind of, let them know how important, you know, the protection part of it is go out and have a good time and investigate and, you know, get all, collect all the evidence you can, but do it safely. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. If, you, if you all could go around one at a time and tell everybody how they can reach out and get a hold of you all, if you all want and promote your books or whatever you are like. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Michael Wachiana, the heritage hunter society. And you can also um, watch my show on Prime Video TV, uh, Journey Through the Past, and you can check that out. And I uh, uh, love to meet new people. I love to meet folks like you uh, and be on these shows. It's, these shows are so important uh, to really share true facts and true uh, encounters. Great. Who's next? Um, you can find me at famsandmonsters.com. That's the blog site. Um, my team site is cryptidhunters.org. Uh, we do boots on the ground investigations throughout North America. And, uh, you know, if you need us, contact us. You can contact me at lawnstricklerfamsandmonsters.com. My phone number's there on the website as well. And, um, my, uh, Radio show is Phantoms Monsters Radio. Just put it on search on YouTube and you'll find it. But every Friday night we have a, uh, a presentation. I usually present uh, cases we've been involved with, uh, cases that come to me, sightings and such. So uh, this week right. we're talking about cryptid canines. So that'll be Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern oh, time. Cool. 
Eastern. Oh, all right. Christina. All right. Well, again, I'm Christina George, and my radio show is Paranormal Connections Radio Show, which is on Sunday evenings, and Top Secret News Radio Show on Thursday evenings. You can find me pretty much on every social media platform. It's either under Christina George or Paranormal Investigator 916. And you can reach out to me via email at paranormalinvestigator916 at gmail.com. And I just want to say thank you so very much for inviting me. Uh, you know, again, like the guys are saying, this is these types of roundtables are very important. And especially when you have people that really have a lot of experience, you know, it's great to be around like-minded people. And, it, you know, it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thanks. Thank you so much. And from this coast to nice. coast and around the world, that's a wrap. We'll catch you on the next show, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Great to meet you, everybody. Thanks, guys. It was really great. Learned a lot tonight. Thank you. Thanks.